just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Hello and welcome back to Life Today Live. I'm Jordan Brinkschroeder, and I am so excited about today. If you are a woman who has felt unseen, unheard, or unloved, today is for you. We are going over this book, He Knows Your Name, How Seven Nameless Women of the Bible Reveal Christ's Love for You. And our author today is Paige Allen. Thank you so much, Paige, for being with us. Well, thanks for having me, Jordan. I am super excited. So in your ministry as an executive pastor and international speaker, you've had the privilege to meet with so many different kinds of women from different backgrounds. Tell me what you have learned about them from hearing their stories. Well, I think just getting to know women from all different backgrounds, no matter if they're, you know, 22 or 82, I just kept seeing this reoccurring theme that every woman, and I think men too, are constantly just looking for that significance and wondering, does anyone, does anyone actually see them, know them, care about what they have to say or what they bring to the table? And um, yeah, I just kept seeing that, um, that kind of run through conversations that I would have with people. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think that so many people are struggling with feeling unseen and unheard? You know, I, I think it goes back to the beginning of time. I -hmm. think, you know, um, we were created to know that we are seen by God. And until we have that encounter with him, we just are constantly struggling with that. I think in today's day as well, with, you know, the rise of social media and the fact now that so many things um, are um, measured in numbers, you know, how many followers do you have? You know, how many, even, even if it's not followers, how many friends do you have? How many parties are you invited to? All those kinds of things. They send these messages to us that we're not wanted or that people don't want our presence. And so we kind of begin to believe this lie, yeah, that we aren't seen, that we aren't valued. And so it's just it's just part of culture, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And so in your book, you study seven nameless women of the Bible. So what propelled you to study these women in particular? Well, I was actually teaching a Bible study at my church and I had a lady come up to me and she was telling me that she had just um, really started studying at the, the widow, one of the widows in the Old Testament. And she just used the phrase. She said, there's something about the nameless women I keep being drawn towards. And as soon as she said that, that phrase, nameless women, it just, it's like a light bulb went off inside of me. And I realized, oh, I'm actually drawn to them as well. I hadn't categorized them in that way. But what I think is so profound is you have these stories in the Bible where these women, like they went after Jesus and they knew because they were so desperate. They were desperate for change in their life. And I was always drawn to their stories because what I saw was in their desperation, Jesus always stopped and saw them in return and met their need. And so kind of when she just made that one phrase, I decided to just go on this hunt. And I just started studying all the different nameless women I could find and started looking for different themes and similarities between them. That is so awesome. I love when God just knocks on our heart and he's like, hey, this is what I have for you. And it's awesome that you are so bold and so obedient to just go after this. So I'm super curious. You have the seven women that you talk about. Mm -hmm. And what is the story? Which woman do you really relate to right now in your current season? You know, the one I keep going back to 
um, is the simple woman who anoints Jesus. Um, it's the story, you know, where uh, Jesus is going to this fancy dinner at Simon the Pharisee's house. And there's this simple woman who's kind of sitting back and we read about her basically just making a fool of herself, so to speak, and weeping and washing Jesus's feet with her hair and her tears and then anointing him. And I think the why, the reason I keep being drawn to her is as I was studying her, um, basically my view of her completely changed. I always thought she was crying almost from a place of shame. Like she was, yes, she was so overwhelmed by what he had done for her, but, but it had this tinge, tinge, I guess, of like, and I'm, I'm so grateful because I'm so ashamed. But as I began to study it, what I realized is her tears didn't stem from that. Her tears stemmed because she started watching how Jesus was being snubbed by the religious leaders. Like he didn't get any of the traditional hospitality greetings of a kiss or having his feet washed. And she was showing up to just say, this is the guy, like he deserves all of our praise. And when she sees him being snubbed, she is overcome like with indignation. And so she wants to give him what he is due. And so personally, I just keep thinking, you know what? We live in a time where Jesus gets snubbed all the time. Honestly, am I, am I moved by that? Like, do I want to give him the praise and the honor and the worship that is due his name when he's not getting it anywhere else? Or have I kind of been just lulled into you know, respectable, um, Christianity and worship because that lady was not respectable. She was too much in that moment. And so I think for me personally, that's the question I'm asking myself right now. Like, am I, am I giving God my too muchness, you know, um, or have I kind of allowed that to be dimmed? No, that's so good. And I love what you said of like, it could be too much for the culture, right? But it's just Mm -hmm. enough for Jesus and he just wants to see us in our heart. And so just being truly authentic with him and spending that time with him as we are, as he calls us to be, not as like what the world looks at as acceptable. So I think a lot of women in their careers are really struggling with feeling unseen and unloved and unheard. And especially women in ministry, have you ever experienced that? And how did you navigate that? That's a great question. Yes, I have experienced that. You know, I have, um, I've actually served at the same church for 20 years, which is kind of amazing in today's world, you know, and, um, I, I have an amazing church. I, I love it so much. Um, but there was a season early on in ministry and, um, I was hired at the same time as another, another man. And I remember one day, I don't know how it ended up, but we kind of have like little mailboxes and there was a paper in my mailbox where I actually, it showed me everyone's salary, which that was a big, I don't know how that got there, but it, but it got there <laughs> and I should not have looked, but I did Jordan. And as I was looking, what I realized was my salary was almost 50% less than the man that was hired at the same time as me. Mm-mm-mm. And I... I mean, I was shocked. I was appalled. Like I agree to that salary, but all of a sudden that, you know, yeah, you're like, I would not have agreed if I knew X, Y, Z. hundred percent. Right. Correct. And I, I mean, I stewed on it for a couple of days and then I just finally, I was like, I, I'm going to go talk. So I actually, my father at that time was the lead pastor. And so it made it a little bit easier for me to go and talk to him. But I just went and I just laid out my heart and was like, this feels unjust. Like, and what I, what I discovered, uh, and this was probably 15 years ago was he really was like, he just didn't even see it in that light. Like he, he actually was like, you know what, well, I, you know, when the elders and I made this decision, like he has to support a family. And I was like, well, 
but I'm, I'm helping to support a family too. And, um, I'm so grateful that it kind of just opened their eyes and they, they made the changes to where now, you know, it is equal and I'm very well taken care of, but yeah, it does something to your heart, especially when you can see it in numbers to feel like, okay, is my value 50% of what this man's value is? Right. And I think there's a lot of women in the workplace who are getting messages subliminally, or maybe they're actually seeing them. You know, I mean, there's so many studies right now about the the pay gap. And, and I just want to encourage women, like when those things happen, you need to be wise, but you can go have conversations. You yeah. really can. And, and I believe, especially if you're working with people that are righteous and they're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, they'll receive those things and you can begin to make differences where you work. Girl, absolutely. And that is so much wisdom coming from your mouth right now because we can get angry at these systems that are in place mm-hmm. or we can kind of go with grace, go with the Lord and say something about it. And so I think that you set the most perfect example of how to navigate such a tricky situation. And sometimes it's people that are close to us, like our dads, you know, like how funny is that? So that could, yeah, be something that made it a little bit easier, but also something that maybe made it a little bit harder of like, wow, like this is something that's so deeply ingrained in our systems. But, you know, like you said, like, hey, I need to provide for my family too. And so I love that. Yes. So step into those systems with grace and say something about it because a lot of times I think Satan uses those situations that are unfair and he just speaks bitterness into our heart and we allow him to do that. And then it causes division in the church. It separates our unity. And so he ends up getting what he wants rather than going straight to the source. So I think that's so good. You know, it was kind of one of those moments of, I can either go directly to the source and talk, or I can take up an offense and I can just talk about it with these other people that are going to commiserate with me. And, you know, like, and, and what does that do? That, that does not move anything forward, but you know, yes. So yeah, just going and having those tough conversations. Yep. It makes us feel validated, but it doesn't get to the source of the problem. Exactly. So good. So you say that women can share a legacy even if it's hidden and how does that work and how can women utilize influence while remaining Christ-centered? Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, I feel like legacy is a big word and everyone wants to leave a legacy. I think it's all about how we define that word, right? I think a legacy is, you know, anytime your life kind of leaves ripple effects. And as I was studying these women in the Bible, here's what I realized, like we are still talking about their stories centuries later, and we don't even know their names. They were absolutely hidden. And so, you know, to women who maybe you think, you know, all I do is wash dishes and drive carpool and, you know, sweep up goldfish crackers. Like the truth is this is in the season you are in right now, you are literally creating a ripple effect in the lives of your children and the people who walk into your home, in your neighborhood, if you're serving in your church. Like we don't need to define legacy by, you know, you've got a plaque on a wall somewhere. Like legacy is what you leave when you love people well. And sometimes we love people the best in the hidden places, you know? where there's safety so that people can have real conversations with you, where you, you know, are the safe place and they can call you late at night. Like it's in those hidden places that you really are making an impact. That's so good. You write in your book, we are known only as we know him. Can you dive Mm -hmm. a little bit more into that? 
I can. Absolutely. You know, I, I feel like, yeah, in this quest to be known, I think that's why there's, you know, the self-help genre is so huge because uh, everyone wants to be known, but, but mantras, habit changes, I mean, those are all fine and good, but they don't actually meet the deep needs in our hearts. And so what I think I mean by that statement is as you pursue God, and you pursue getting to know him and even knowing him in all of his many facets. Like, you know, do you actually know God as your provider? Do you actually know God as your shepherd? Do you know that Jesus wants to be your advocate, that he wants to like, you know, he wants to speak up for you? Just discovering God in those new facets, what they do is they help you to become more secure in who you are. You become more aware of like, oh, I don't have to run after, you know, being known by the world because I've discovered who Jesus is as my advocate. And it gives me this own sense that, oh, and now I'm known, you know? Yeah. And so I just think they're connected. Yeah. Finding out who God is as your father makes you more secure of the truth that you are his child, like at your core, you're his girl, you're his son. And so I just see the two connected. So instead of focusing so much on who am I, who am I, who am I, if we change and we begin to say, God, who are you? God, who are you? You may not think that it's going to end up in this way, but you become more secure in the fact that you belong to him. And so by going after knowing him, you become known yourself. That's so good. When we seek our security in him and we feel that, like truly believe it, we are less likely to go seek security in other people and other places. Yeah. So that is so good. Um, you go into the different sections and speak about Jesus and, and God being shown to us through different names. Can you go into mm -hmm. that? And how did that deepen your relationship with him? Absolutely. Yeah. A little bit like I was just saying, um, I I do, I kind of, you know, expound on different names of God. So I talk about God as your father, God as your provider, God as your shepherd, um, God as the living water. Um, and each of those are just like, like, it's like a deep well. Like just when you think you've got God figured out, <laughs> you discover, oh, I, I, it's only the tip of the iceberg. Like there's so much more. And so, yeah, finding out, for example, you know, I spent a little while just really researching and diving into scripture about God is my shepherd and, and learning like what that means. Like, you know, he really does care for me. The Bible talks about that, you know, he is a good shepherd and he knows us by name and the, sh and the sheep hear his voice and he calls them by name. And so even just meditating on that and getting to know him as my shepherd, um, gave me more confidence in the fact that when I feel like he's wanting to lead me and I don't like the way he's leading me. <laughs> I can be confident that I can follow him because he is a shepherd. And that is a shepherd's goal is to always lead the sheep to the right places, to still waters where they can get, you know, the drink that they need. He leads them to, you know, green grass. And if God calls himself a shepherd, it's a picture of the fact that I can trust him when he asks me to follow him. So those names, they point back to the different ways that we can know God and trust him. So good, I love it. One of my favorite parts was uh, speaking about Jehovah Jireh, he is provider. So was there a time in your life where you really had to solely trust in God to be your provider and come through for you? 
Yeah, for sure. There have been so many times um, I've had to trust him with finances. I've had to trust him in my parenting. I share a story. It's kind of a funny story though in the book and um, it's about running. And I was a runner. Uh, I've run some marathons and some things like that. And there was this one day where God just was so real to me. And I was out on this long run every Saturday morning. I had this group of girls I would run with. And this day we were doing a 15 mile run. And what I loved about my group was not everyone was a believer. And in fact, a couple of the girls made it very well known that although I was a pastor, they did not want to talk about Jesus on our runs. They just wanted to talk about other things in life. And, and so I was trying to respect that. So this one day we were on this 15 mile run and we had this plan where um, someone would go out and set water bottles like, you know, every three miles or so, so we could, you know, stay hydrated. But the girl who it was her day, she was, she was driving the path beforehand and realized we were going to be running through a park with all of these water fountains. And so she just made the decision, you know what, I'm just not, I'm not going to set out the water bottles. We'll just, we'll just do water fountains. And so we go for our run. And I think we meet, we reach the first water fountain at like mile five and we are like, oh, yes. And we go to turn it on and it's dry no water is coming out. And, um, we kind of look around like, uh Oh, and, and she's like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, there's another one up here. And so we run to the next one. It is also turned <laughs> off and we quickly realize that all of the water fountains in this massive park system are all dry. And we are kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's this park system, but literally there are no stores. There are no houses there. It's just this park system. And our cars now are about, you know, seven miles away because we're, you know, making this circle. And so we are running. And I remember we were probably, I don't know, I want to say on mile 12 or so, we were on the backside of this lake. And this lake, it was dirty water. So we knew we can't drink it. But I'm looking at it thinking, Lord, like, this is this is getting serious. It was the summer. I mean, it was hot and I'm running with these girls who have made it clear that they're not believers. And yet we're all, we're struggling. And so I literally just say, girls, you may think I'm crazy, but I'm praying right now. And so I did, I just, and I prayed a really simple prayer. I said something like, God, we are hot and we are thirsty and we really need water. Could you provide it for us? And I kid you not, Jordan, we turned the corner and all of a sudden this car pulls up on the side of the park. Like there are no other cars around. And this lady gets out of the car and she pops up her trunk and we just run right beside her. And as we do that, all of a sudden, um, she's, she's just kind of talking to us. And, uh, I, I, I just kind of quip and say, you don't happen to have any water in there, do you? And she says, actually girls, I just went to Sam's and I have cases of water. And so we all stop and she gives each one of us a water bottle. We chug them. And then she's like, and here's one to go. And she literally closes the trunk and she just drives off and we start running again. And, uh, the girl who's not a believer, she's like, did that just happen? I'm like, that just happened. Like God hears us. And, um, and she just was like, that's unbelievable. And Jordan, I have to tell you, like by the end of our running season, she had come to know the Lord. And, um, I think there were a lot of things that played into that, but I think her watching like someone just say a simple prayer and God showing up with, I don't know if that lady was an angel or maybe she was just obeying the Lord, you know, right. but he provided in such a real way. And it, it really ministered to all of us. That is incredible. It is so cool whenever 
you know, you, you kept harping on the fact of like, it's a simple prayer. It's a simple prayer, right? Yes. I think there's so much pressure of, man, if we are going to show Jesus to somebody around us, it's got to be in a really big, grandier way, like maybe healing from a sickness or, but he uses everything. He uses the little things. And so for yes. you to just step out in faith and be obedient and be like, okay, I know you don't want me to preach to you right now. Um, and I know you've made your ways known, but I'm letting you know, sister, that I am praying for some water. And he came through. He came yes. through with the simplest yes. of prayers. And I love that so much. What an awesome testimony. That is so well, cool. Yeah, and, just God. And you were running in the middle of Texas heat. Yes, I should say Girl. that. I am, in, I am in, I'm in Texas and it was hot. And I, I really, I really was concerned. I was like, we, yeah. Like, we're going to be in trouble here if we don't get some water soon. Yeah, this is an actual emergency. God, come yes. through, come through. And he did. That is so awesome. So, yeah. Paige, what kind of encouragement would you give to a woman who maybe would just come up to you and be like, girl, I am really struggling. I feel like I'm doing all the things. I feel like I'm coming to him in prayer. But for some reason, I still feel unseen, unheard, unloved. Someone who is really struggling. What would you say to that woman? Yeah. You know, I think there are so many women in those places, they find themselves in a hard season and they just, they just almost feel like God's quiet or silent, you know? And what I would say is I would say, you've got to just keep showing up, keep showing up. You know, I write about, there's this one lady in the Bible who it literally says she was bent over double. She's crippled for 18 years and she keeps showing up. She just keeps showing up to the synagogue to worship. And one day Jesus sees her. And, and here's what I would say. Even when you feel like he's silent, he still sees you. And the silences of God are not the same as the silences of man. I think whenever people are silent with us, we take it as rejection. But when God is, if he seems quiet, I believe it's because he's at work, you know, and there are seasons that God asks us to wait. There are seasons where God asks us to trust. There are seasons where we are not seeing what we want to see, but that's what faith is about. Faith is about making the choice, the hard choice to still show up and to wait and to wait actively, to wait with hope and to wait and just say, okay, God, I'm going to keep doing the things I know to do. And I, I believe you will see. God will show up and make it so clear that he knows you. And he not only knows you, but he loves you and he likes you. And it's almost like there will be seasons where you have 20-20 vision in hindsight of where you can look back and be like, okay, although it felt like he was quiet or it felt like the wait was never going to end, I can now see he was at work. He had not left me, but this was just part of the journey, you know? So I think that's what I'd say. That's so good. Sometimes it just takes that time to walk through those seasons and then look back and see his faithfulness. Yeah. And that gives us the hope to kind of keep propelling forward. Mm -hmm. If you had one piece of advice or one thing that really just stuck with you through this process of writing and what God revealed to you, what would you say? What would you give to our listeners? Well, that's a great question. You know, one thing I kept noticing was Jesus's pace. Like each of these women that he encounters, um, a lot of times they interrupt him. And a lot of times, um, you know, there's disciples are like, let's go, you know? And, um, and yet Jesus slows his pace to really encounter these women. 
And so one thing I also think I would encourage women is Jesus slows his pace for you, but are you willing to slow your pace for him? Mm. You know, Um, because sometimes I think we believe the lie that God doesn't really see us, but I kind of think we're just running circles around Mm -hmm. him. Uh, And there's this quote I love, and it says, sometimes we have to slow our pace to actually catch up with God. Mm. And I think... I think there's a real truth to that. And it's, it's the thought that he's not, he's not, you know, he's not running past you. Like sometimes we're just going too fast. And so for someone, I don't know, that's what's in my heart right now. Someone listening. I just think God wants you to slow your pace a little bit. Maybe that looks like spending a little more time with him in the morning or when you're in your car, turning off the music and getting quiet and just saying, God, what are you saying to me in this moment? Because when we slow down and we listen, He will speak to you. Amen. Yes, we just have to really sit and incline our ear to him. Thank you so much, Paige, for being with us today and for sharing all of your wisdom and your heart. Make sure that you go out and get He Knows Your Name wherever you get books. Paige, where can our listeners connect with you and get to know you more? Well, I'm I'm on all the social media at Paige Allen, Texas. You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, And then I have a website, pageallen.net. And yeah, so thanks so much, Jordan. This has been so fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You were so wonderful. Make sure you go out and get her book wherever you get books. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time on Life Today Live.